You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan. Hi, everyone. This is Jed, and you are listening to From, From Great, Great to Great, Great Podcast, Episode Three. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hope that turns out well in the recording. I've been I wanting so. to do a synchronized version. Yes, we finally did it. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. This is Episode Three of From Great to Great. Yes, thank thanks. you for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning in. So, Jed, how is your week so far? It's been busy as usual, um, but let me give you a very interesting story. This morning, on our way, driving on our way to the workshop, me and my staff were inside the car, and these younger generation of my staff were all talking. Generation about, Z, you yes, mean? Yes, yes. Okay. So like twenties. Twenties, yeah, early twenties, okay. and they were all talking about cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, I know cryptocurrency in my business school, but I have not really go in depth with. What cryptocurrency is all about, and all the um, the trading that happens on the floor, like Binance. So I asked them to give me a cryptocurrency one on one, and they all talked about coins like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Axie. Mm. You know, playing games and gas fees, and all these terminologies. Like to me, are all fascinating. But I have not really put my finger into it, so I think I'm gonna dip into you know investing on cryptocurrency. Sure. Good luck uh, losing your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think it's gonna be the thing moving forward. But who knows? It is really? going to be. I do have reservations about that, but it's gonna be a too. different yeah. topic. Yeah. So, what yeah. about you? I've been into Lego lately. So remember when we were toddlers, we were playing mm-hmm. Lego and fighting about those bricks. Yep. And we keep on missing <laughs> a lot of them. So Lego has been killing the game for the past decade because they've been doing a lot of collaboration. Star Wars, Marvel, Harry Potter, Harry Potter yes. for example. So in the time of pandemic, Lego even did better because it has become a therapeutic exercise, mm-hmm. especially for adults. So right. before I sleep at night, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I would get my box of Lego, make some spaceship build a house and play some jazz music in the background mm-hmm. and it soothes me after a very stressful day right so what do you do after you build everything i destroy it <laughs> <laughs> and then i build again the next day a friend of mine from the us what he does is that he builds these lego and then after building it take a photo and then destroys it and then sells them on mm, ebay okay so somebody will give life to it afterwards it's interesting how people have made careers out of lego <laughs> maybe maybe yeah so jed what's in store for this episode yes so this episode is quite exciting because this episode is dedicated to our listeners we will be reading some of their letters and we will offer career advice on their dilemmas. Wow, seems like it's going to be my favorite episode so far because it's right up my alley. Chad, on a scale of one to five, how much do you like giving advice? Mm, I'd say three. That's kind of low. Yeah, because I'm the type of person who won't give upfront advice. I'm more of a backseat person giving advice. I'm more of the empathetic person who would listen first and then give you advice through asking more probing questions. Mm, Socratic method. Socratic method until you figure out a good solution for your problems. Mm, I'm quite the opposite because obviously I'm in this business mm-hmm. of giving of course, advice. Of course. And I'm saying this not because it makes you feel superior when you give advice to someone who needs you, but rather because it's a cathartic feeling for me. Whenever I face a dilemma, I always tell myself, geez, I wish someone 
told this to me earlier. So when I give advice, it makes me feel good because I'm helping someone avoid the mistakes that I've done in the past. Isn't that a good feeling? Yeah, of course, of course. Right. So let's get to business, Jed. We're going to be featuring four letters today. Interesting. So here's the first letter sent by Fatima from Kuala Lumpur. John and Jed, I've avoided romantic relationships for the past four years as I want to focus on my career. I have this belief that while technology makes communication easier for relationships to thrive, you have to sacrifice one over the other if you want one of them to thrive. Plus, heartbreaks can destroy your momentum in your career. Amen to that. (laughs) Anyway, what are your thoughts about this? Is it possible to achieve both a stellar career and a meaningful relationship with someone at the same time? Okay, Jed, let me rant about this because I'm the one who isn't really good with relationships. <laughs> so I do agree. I do think that romance can put you into so much distraction because you have to invest time to your partner. It's not just money. It's about investing your evenings, your mornings, your weekends. I can attest that much because much of the failures of my relationships were because I couldn't be with the same person because I was traveling a lot, mm-hmm. right? I also say that the most unproductive times of my life, and you've been there, Jed. You've seen me cry. Yep. It was when I was in the middle of a bad heartbreak. So I didn't want to get out of my room. I didn't have the appetite to eat, to exercise. I was so uninspired to think of new ideas for my business. This reminds me of the film La La Land. Have you seen that, Jed? Yeah, of course. Beautiful film. One of my favorite films. When I saw the film, I was like, this is the film that tells the story of my life. (laughs) What do you think of the ending, by the way? Spoiler alert, by the way, before you listen, if you haven't seen the film yet. Do you remember what the Yeah, was? well, me and Sebastian didn't end up together because, because they, they chose, chose their personal yeah. careers. Right? And I think the philosophy of the film being that you can't juggle both at the same time. Right? And, you have, and to, you choose. have to choose. So yeah. what's your take from your experience? Is it good to juggle both romance? Well, you know, the, a classic answer, which is also a classic answer to my business school questions and business dilemmas is that it depends. Mm-hmm. So Lila Land was set at a time when Mia and Sebastian were still building their careers. They were young. They right? were young. And I agree that when you're young, you can be easily distracted and you can afford to lose somebody because you can find someone else later. I feel the same. You know, when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to have fun. And maybe if I really want to settle down, it'll be in my 30s or 40s. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I think my relationships were not working well. <laughs> anyway. But now that you're older, I think you will be able to find somebody now. Hopefully. I'm single, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) just shouting that out, okay? You you know, in my case, uh, I found my partner when I was already stable and mature enough. So rather being distracted, I was more inspired, actually. Mm. I I felt it was more motivating for me to have somebody in my life, somebody who I can bounce off ideas with, with work, hobbies, Somebody who travel together, travel together, explore the world. Yeah, so so, so it's it's all about you know being able to really share the paths. So it can both cut both ways, right? It can go wrong. It can go right. Exactly, and it's it, an issue of timing. It's it it really is about timing here. Mm. You're starting to change my mind, maybe because. I was young back then, and maybe I'm in my 30s now. You know, it reminds me, there's this study that I read from Nikolai Rusanov and Pavel Savor. They tried to survey multinational companies and startup companies around the United States, and these are 1,500 CEOs. Mm -hmm. If the company is young, fast-growing, startup, with so many problems and so many things to accomplish, it's usually run by a CEO who's single. (laughs) And when the company is a multinational, well-established, it's run by a married one. And I have a conclusion to this. If you want to reach for the stars, you know, sky's the limit, you want to make it big, you need to have a young, energetic, 
unattached CEO who will dedicate 100% of his life to the business. Yeah, I, I quite agree. I mean, I'm just starting my business and at the rate of where I am going now, if I were single, I would not have any single time for any dates at all. So good for you that you are now attached. Yes, right? I have been. <laughs> so. so Fatima, our conclusion here is simple. The advantages of being in romantic relationships will depend at which point in your life are you going to be attached. So I hope you choose that decision wisely. All right, second letter is from Eric from Cebu in the Philippines. She says, I am 26 and I have been working as an associate in a law firm for four years now, but I am realizing that this is not the career for me. Mm. I want to switch to marketing since I've enjoyed selling items online as my side hustle during this pandemic. Good for you, Eric. Yeah, I'm inspired to become a successful entrepreneur someday. Is it too late for me to switch lanes? Mm -hmm. Do you think I can stand a chance even if I didn't finish a business course? What steps should I do? Jed, I think this is right up your alley because you switched lanes, right? I did, I did. You were an architect for eight years working for a design firm before Actually, becoming... more than eight years. How many 12 years. years. Oh, sorry, I don't know you well. Before becoming an entrepreneur. So I'm curious, before jumping to the entrepreneurship world, what was the criteria that you used? Interesting question. Um, but I pondered about this and I think there were three criteria that I set to myself before mm -hmm. I jumped into entrepreneurship. First is... I wanted something to really challenge myself. It needs to be something that will trigger my creativity still. I remember during that time you said you were starting to get bored with yes, architecture. Yes, you yes, wanted something my mind new. will always move. And mm. if I am used to the same routine every day, that's not challenging anymore. And it was, the feeling was so strong that it yeah. was even stronger than the risks correct, involved. Correct, correct, correct. Okay. So I didn't care what will happen next to me, but what I cared rather is that I am fulfilling what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So that's one. It's something that will challenge me and make me happy in the end. Number two is I ask myself first, do I have the right financial safety net before I make the move? Mm. I made sure that I had the money. I made sure that I have connected to the right network and people. So in case I needed angel investors. And in case it doesn't work out, you yeah. have savings. So you will still have that, you know, safety net mm -hmm. and, and people will still fund you and help you with the investments. So yeah, it's financial stability, number two. And number three, how easy is it really to penetrate this new environment? From architecture, do I jump to say, for example, gaming? I don't Which know. is yeah. quite difficult, right? Yeah. But furniture is very but related. Furniture is very related. So it was to easy for you to penetrate. So the supply chain, the processes involved in the design and manufacturing, it's pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. So that's what I thought as well. It needs to be easy to penetrate into. I like the benchmark, the, the criteria you've set. I think that's something very helpful for our listeners. I also want to tell to Eric that I don't want you to feel bad if you think that you're entering a world where your law degree is going to be useless. Because yep. first and foremost, a lot of people don't. <laughs> mm. I've been looking for some data. Unfortunately, I couldn't find for Asia. But at least in the United States, there's this study from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. About 30% of university graduates. The study, by the way, was way back in 2014. So FYI on some caveats. Interesting statistic is that only 30% of university graduates in the U.S., get into jobs that were related to their courses. That's quite low. That's quite low, right? So don't feel bad. I mean, look at me. I'm an economics major. My job is related into statistics, into research, into banking. Yeah. 
but I ended up becoming a marketing person. And if I look at all of my best bosses that I've encountered in marketing, they were literature majors, philosophy majors. Tony Fernandez was an accountant in a firm, in a company before mm-hmm. he ended up becoming the man behind Air Asia, for example. So, so it is possible. It is possible. That reminds me of the model for learning and development, the 72010 model. Do you know about that? Of course, Jed. Do you know who told that to you? Well, I've read about it. I told that to you <laughs> last really? year. There, we were having dinner about Right. Anyway, <laughs> but this, this model for learning and development is 72010, which is 70, you learn things and you develop things by 70% doing it. 20% interaction with, with others. others. Having a mentor, being able to have positive yep. friction with your colleagues. And 10% from formal education. So that's pretty low. I mean, 10% learning from what degrees this, gave you. Okay. So first and foremost, this is not to say that the time you spent in the university useless. is useless and wasted. No, it's not. That's not the point of yeah. time to make here. I do, however, agree that we don't really remember a lot of things in school. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, for example, who remembers the, I'm going to give a random, the Pythagorean theorem. I do. What is A Pyth- squared plus B squared equals C squared. Okay, good for you, Jed. Well, but, we do that for architecture, but okay. I kind of agree with some people who don't really use that at work. Yeah, because the point is we don't memorize a lot of things in textbooks because that's going to be helpful later yeah, on. It's yeah. the discipline that we get later yes. on. Yes. The ability to work with your group mates because you need to communicate and to collaborate. The goal is not to memorize math questions or equations. The goal is to have analytical thinking so that you'll be able to solve problems later on. The goal is not to memorize dates and names of people in history. Do you remember that in high school? Yeah, in grade right? school as well. They would well. ask for, what is the birthday of Napoleon Bonaparte? That yeah. is useless, right? <laughs> the point of learning history is because we want to learn how to avoid wars in the future because we know how they started, Yeah. right? So it's the discipline later on. And therefore, for that reason, I think, Eric, you do have a very strong chance of switching lanes. And I don't think it's too late for you. For also, I'm going to add this. If you're from law, if you finished law, you can still apply a lot of legalities in your business. How to set up your business, how to avoid, for example, any issues that might happen. Mm-hmm. You can also create applications, mobile app about law. For example, like I wish that there was a way that people can automate contracts. Well, actually, there are a lot of those apps already. Huh? Yeah. Really? I didn't know. But my yeah. point is, you can fuse law and business together. Yeah. There are a lot of opportunities for that. So we wish you the best, Eric. And... Let us know if you're able to succeed. Third question. So this is from Zika from Singapore. John, you've always said that quitting can be a good thing when the timing and reason is right. Amen to that. I am not happy with my job, but I cannot quit because I am a single mother and I cannot be unemployed. Should I prioritize my happiness over the risk of not having a stable source of income? I am tempted to hand over the resignation letter, but whenever I see my three-year-old daughter, I hold back. Interesting story. Interesting story, right? yeah. And this is one of the most common stories and letters I get from my inbox about quitting. So yeah. this is very close to my heart. So I'm not sure what's causing the unhappiness that Zika mentioned in the letter, but I would assume it could be a person. Right? Could I mean, be? Gallup research would say, and I love this quote, we don't quit our jobs, we quit our bosses, especially the bad ones. 
Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. You can change your perspective about your salary. You can change your perspective about a two-hour commute time for work. But you can't change your perspective about someone you just can't get along with. Yeah, that's right. You know, this reminds me of what my previous CEO from Singapore told me. And I always take this with me. He said that there are three reasons why people quit their jobs. One is it's their bosses, which you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people would want to quit their jobs. Two is the people that they work with, their managers, their colleagues. And number three is the circumstances that they are at work. It could be the tasks that they do. It could be the benefits. It could be the financial benefits that they get. Interesting list. But let's assume that it's not a someone. Let's assume it's a something. Yeah. Right? So it could be the circumstances. Nature of work, the circumstances. Yeah. So my question to Zika is Have you worked on what's causing your unhappiness? If it's nature of work, like lack of compensation or boredom with the routine, have you tried talking to the people concerned to resolve it first? Talk to your manager, talk to your HR. I'd always say this sometimes to get to the peak of your career, you don't need to find a new mountain, AKA look for a new job. Sometimes you just need to look for a different route within the same mountain. Get moved to a different department, ask for a different project, sometimes get assigned to a different boss. They can work. And I want you to resolve first those things before you decide choosing to leave because quitting is such a costly thing. If you haven't experienced it yet, I'm telling it you now. It's such a nightmare. There are so many bureaucratic things to accomplish. Speaking of costs, I think that resigning really bears not just emotional costs, but also financial costs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in Japan, for example, you actually pay certain companies to represent you in resigning from your office. What? Wait, I don't get it. Because yes. you can't resign on your own? So there or is, is this optional? Well, okay, hear me out. There's a service called Taishoku Daiko, which is a service that is given by a company who will become your job quitting proxy. Okay. So for people who do not want to step into their offices any longer be because they have really bad bosses, they don't really want to meet their colleagues any longer. They don't want to have anything to do with their jobs. Or sometimes just the idea that you feel embarrassed that you're quitting. Yeah, because, you know, Japan has got a culture of shame as well. Mm. So they hire people to represent them to their boss to tell them, I want to quit. And this proxy is going to take care of everything down from surrendering your IDs, files, your documents, erasing your email addresses for you. They will do that for you. And you pay them about $450 US. So good thing for Japanese folks because someone does that for them, but not in my part of the world. Yes. <laughs> not in Southeast Asia. Not, That's not why Asia. I'm going to tell this to you now, Zika. If it's your first time to quit, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be doing a lot. Sometimes you even have to chase HR to give you your payroll for the last yeah, month. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I would recommend to consider first, exhaust all means first before quitting. I would would recommend that you, for example, bounce off your thoughts to someone and sometimes they can change your perspective because you can be very emotional when you want to quit. However, so here's my last part. If the issue has been affecting your mental health, seriously, and my criteria would be it's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning, it's the last thing you think of before you sleep, I can understand your reason for quitting. And even the idea of not being able to have a stable source of income for your daughter, I think that can outweigh that. Because you mm -hmm. won't be able to function well as a parent if you're yeah. not even mentally yeah. well. But John, what if this person really wants to quit? You know, by all means, this person wants to quit. What would you do? What, what would be your criteria? I thought you never asked, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so three things. Uh, number one, 
fine, I'll give you that space to quit, but please quit only when you have officially signed up as an employee of the new company. Yeah, I totally right? agree. So don't risk it. If you have feelings like, oh, I think I'm going to get the job, don't quit yet. Because mm-hmm. you'll never know if they back out or if they say that the position is no longer valid. Yep. So look at that part first. Second, if you have time to wait, you can quit, but you can wait for three or four months. Start floating your resume as early as now. Because most people don't know this. It takes three to six months to get exactly. interviewed, yeah. to get invited until they finally sign on. It doesn't happen in just a span of two weeks. Mm-hmm. So apply some proper timing in this case. The third one is check your savings. Do you have enough money in case you finally quit and you couldn't find a job for two months or three months? Or more. Or more. Yeah. Right? If you can't, it's not all lost. Identify a person or an institution where you can borrow the money so you can fund your unemployment phase. Because I get, I get it. If your issue is mental health, you can't bear it anymore, then go and quit. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think there is any job out there that justifies your mental health. That's true. Okay? I totally agree. So we wish you the best, Zika, and I hope you get to weigh the pros and cons well. So we're down to the last career advice dilemma. It is from Kony from Hanoi in Vietnam. I am your classic star employee. I get the reports done. I hit my sales target. I think my colleagues love me, but it's been four years already and I'm still stuck in the same position. Uh I've asked my boss about this, but I always get the reply soon. What do you think is the missing puzzle piece why I'm not getting promoted? Jet, have you missed a promotion boat in your career? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. With a confident no. <laughs> All right, Mr. I always get promoted. So I had a couple. Right. I, I, I've missed a couple of boats. But I would say in those moments when I missed it, I wasn't so bitter because I knew where I fell short. And that's because there were metrics that were always being followed to decide whether you're worthy of a promotion. Because let's face it, guys, promotion is all about communication with your I manager. I totally agree. It's setting the expectations, agreeing that in order for me to promote you from level one to level two, you should have done one, two, three, four, five. And if that's not clear, you're not holding someone accountable to that promise. That's right. Promotions are not arbitrary, ladies and gentlemen. They are based on metrics and behaviors that you need to meet. When you do your appraisal meeting, it's either annual or biannual, you need to ask your manager if you're faring above or below expectations, right? Because after all, what can be measured can be improved. That's very well said. It's a mantra that I've invented. By the way, let's say that oh, really? together, Jed, oh. so we can feel it. Let's say together. <sighs> come on, let's say together. What? Come on. What, what can, can be measured can, can be, be improved. improved. <laughs> You're such a sport. You really said it with me. Thank you for doing for saying that with me, Jed. <laughs> Multinational companies do well in this practice. I've noticed that they're very consistent. They always make sure that all the managers abide with a standardized way of measuring their employees' performance. Startup companies, a lot of them disappoint me. I think sometimes when you're a very small company, it's just the CEO or the founder who decides. Like me. <laughs> well, I, fine, yeah, but you know at least in the future you're supposed to yeah, have those metrics, course. right? Family-owned companies, sometimes they're inconsistent. Some do and some don't. I would raise it as a red flag if you're a full-time employee and yet your company doesn't have any metrics for performance. That's right. Back when I was working in a corporate world, every time I do interviews, I usually ask, one of the questions that I ask. Wait, interviews when you're applying for a new job. When applying for a new job. One of the questions I ask of the person who's interviewing me is, 
how do you evaluate performances mm. in the company? Do you do it biannually? Do you do it annually? What are the processes involved in knowing where you should improve? So all these things I ask because if they don't have any metrics, that would give me like a red flag already. And you would avoid yeah. the company. And recently, in many companies that I know of now, especially the larger companies, they have these metrics called the 360-degree feedback. Mm, classic. Yeah. So what they do is that not only do they only speak to their bosses or their managers directly, the people who are above them, the people on the same level as them, and people... Who Anyone are, who's a stakeholder, basically. Yeah, and people who are below them, these are all the people who would give you feedback evaluation on things that you could improve on, your strengths. And they can also be a justification why you're ready for the next level that's or correct. unprepared for so, the next level. And that's why it's called 360 degrees. Everyone is involved. Every person that you work with are involved. Fortune 500 says, the magazine says that at about 85% of Fortune 500 companies actually exercise 360 degree feedback. And I think that's the reason why they are successful because they're progressive they're also straightforward and yep. they, they're very much sure to take constructive criticisms for right. their people. But it is not to say though that, you know, even startup companies must do 360 degree feedback because they're just too small. They're too small, <laughs> number one. And number two, it takes up a lot of money to do it really because you need to buy tools for it. You need to buy software Especially when it. you need to make it anonymous yeah. and that happens but also. But the point is for even for startup companies, so long as there is a clear line of what to do, there is a structure involved in giving evaluation. How do you rate performances and improvements? I would echo that. that. Good. So for example, like enough. proper training of all the managers that these are the fair ways and techniques. Yep. To measure your people yep. because let's face it guys what if let's say manager a is too strict manager b is too lenient it's going to be unfair to the employees because their performance appraisal is going to be dependent on how lucky they were getting assigned to yeah. manager a or b so consistency basically with among the managers right so for me metrics are the missing puzzle pieces here you have to make your manager accountable that if she promises that you are worthy of getting promoted what's the reason behind it yeah is it because you've ticked all the boxes Otherwise, you might just be rotting in the company. You're telling me, what, four years already? Four years, I think, is ripe enough to be promoted to a managerial position. Yeah. And I think if you're a rock star, you deserve to be a place that recognizes who you are. Whew. All right, four wow. letters down. We got a hundred to go. Are you ready, yes, Zed? Yes, I'm totally ready. I'm kidding. We don't have the time anymore. <laughs> we're, it's time's up, really. And we're exhausted. We can't give justice giving advice yeah. with this date. So we thank our listeners for sending in your letters. Please keep them coming because we're going to be featuring them in the next episodes. As usual, thank you, Jed, for sharing this podcast with me. I learned a lot from you, from yeah, your likewise. piece of advice. And I'm here to remind our listeners, remember, no one will take good care of your career but you. That's Stay safe. Right. And we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.